0: Welcome to Coffee Calm Connections podcast. I'm Sarah Myerscough, and this is my mission to find some balance in my own crazy, chaotic world. You'll hear from people like me, people like you, with real life stories, opinions from mental health professionals, and subject matter experts, as well as ideas, tools, and confirmation that we really are all juggling the same balls, albeit in different ways. I'll test the ideas and together we can overcome custard brain, crippling worry and overwhelm and hopefully find just a little bit of peace and enjoyment. Good morning, Brendan. Thank you so much for joining me on Coffee Calm Connections podcast. I am so grateful to have you here and I think you're going to have a lot of fun stuff for us to talk about.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So, shall we start, although I would imagine that nobody won't know who you are, can you just give us a bit of a a background about who Brendan McManus is?
1: Oh, well, I run a business called uh, PIB Insurance Group, which we started about five years ago, but I've been 42 years in the insurance industry. I worked for a long time for an insurance company, and then I've run several different businesses over the last uh, 10 or 12 years. Um, I live in Greenwich in South London, um, married three kids, uh, Sheffield Wednesday supporter, um, <laughs> not as tall as I'd like to be.
0: <laughs> I can't comment on the football because I'm a, a rugby orientated person. So I can't, I can't give you any um, crap over that, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. I can tell you that my, uh, my family, my parents are avid City supporters, Man City supporters. So I don't know how well that goes down.
1: Um, I, I would never take the mickey out of anybody's football team, bearing in mind who I support.
0: <laughs> Fabulous. Um, give us a bit of info about PIB. So you've got how many thousand employees?
1: Well, today, we've in the last five years, we've uh, acquired over 40 businesses uh, and we now have 2,500 people across UK, Ireland, Denmark, Germany, Poland, and soon to be uh, we also have some people in India and soon to be in Spain Um, and we're currently uh, pressing forward on a kind of uh, an expansion across Europe so it's really really enjoyable process
0: enjoyable Uh, challenging at all
1: Uh, every day because you try and you know you try and push yourself to achieve more and more but um, it's also fun doing what I do uh, you know, exploring new businesses, building new relationships, trying to create alliances and cooperations with people. And um, I really enjoy that. It's not, it's not that's not stressful.
0: Fabulous. What what um, what what do you find stressful? So just before I ask that question, like, you know, getting to where you've got to in life is an incredible uh, incredible feat and I know that a lot of people listening are striving to towards you know building their own businesses building their own careers and and I know that comes with certain challenges and stresses and I mean God knows the last year has been interesting for all of us I think so I uh, you know what's your take on that?
1: Well I, um, I'm, I'm a person who um, plans a lot and I occasionally find it stressful if you run out of a plan and if you are sort of temporarily planless, which happens from time to time, I find that a bit stressful. And then you have to work hard to kind of re-engage your vision and focus on what you're trying to achieve, whether it's longer term or short term. And then once the plan comes back, then, um, and I and I tend to have a long, longer term plan and build it back so it's very short term, i.e., what am I going to do this afternoon to achieve my three-year plan? i might. Might be as simple as making a phone call to somebody today, but it but it could help me achieve the three year plan. Once I've got the, the plan going again, then the stress tends to disappear. I think the the other thing that I would find stressful sometimes is the responsibility for the people that um, that I work with in the firm and making sure that we're successful so that they thrive and that their careers develop and so on. Um, I think I think that that the, the weight of responsibility for the people in the business is probably the most burdensome
0: yeah two and a half thousand people's livelihoods and you're sort of at the top pulling all the strings that make everything fall into place that's got to be worth you know a couple of hours in the middle of the night every so often going ah what happens here
1: yeah sometimes although um i do believe that we're all very self-determined and therefore we've got two and a half thousand people that are in charge of their careers as well so i don't i don't overwear it i mean occasionally it can neglect you in the middle of the night but generally speaking I sleep pretty well
0: fabulous Uh, you've just said something there people I'm going to go back to something we said earlier which was off off the record um and about sort of wearing the victim hat uh and I'm really I'm going to let you explain it because you'll do a far better job than I would but it ties into what you've just said
1: well Sarah I suppose I'm from Uh, An older generation where we were sort of brought up being told to pull yourself together and get on with it. And I sometimes think over the last year or so during the lockdown that, you know, many, many people have assumed that they're somehow victims of this when in fact it affects us all the same. We're all fed up with it. We've all missed socialising with friends or travelling on holiday or whatever. And it, it, it isn't unfair to a particular individual. It's just been a bit miserable for everybody. And um, I think uh, whenever I have a down moment or wherever I'm feeling fed up or I'm feeling depressed, um, what I've learned over the years is I've got to change my situation and I can take control of that. Um, and when I do change my situation, sometimes it can be as simple as if you can't sleep, get up, move around, um, the stress goes. So I, I, I hear an awful lot of talk and an awful lot of podcasts and TV programs and and written articles about you know how depressed everybody is at the moment and how it's affecting their mental health and um it's it's as if you know something bad had happened to them but it's happened to the whole world and and I and I do kind of feel sometimes people have got to get on with it you know pull themselves together and get on with it and that sounds harsh but that's that's how I often feel. Do
0: you know what I I um. I don't disagree with you at all. I, I agree. And somebody once said to me, and I think this was, it stuck with me for years and years. If I push you down, it's my fault. If you don't get up, it's yours. And that concept, I really, really strongly believe in. And this assumed victimhood. Um, there are people that have had it really, really hard over the last 12 months. In my family alone, we've lost two people to covid Um as well as all the stresses and strains of not being able to going out, homeschooling, just trying to, you know, one foot next foot. And I know a lot of people have had people with long COVID and have been in in hospital for months on end. And these are real, genuine difficulties that people face. But exactly what you've just said and what I try so hard to instill in my three children and they just bat it back every time is, if you can recognize what's going on inside you can then direct it if you can just go actually I'm wallowing here I have spent the last half an hour ruminating and catastrophizing and victimizing my own feeling to I've got to a point where actually I just can't cope anymore if you if you live in that place you're victimizing yourself and not as a negative but it's not only helpful to you Like, what can we do to pull ourselves out of that to recognise when we're in that phase and to go, all right, enough's enough. I'm going to put my big girl pants on and I'm going to crack on with life.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I think that's broadly right. That's, that's what I believe. And um, I do think that um, stress to me is maybe working down a coal mine and not earning enough money to feed your four kids. I would find that really stressful. You know, most people who do what we do, work in financial services, am not saying everybody, but most people, are relatively comfortable. I'm not saying that, that there aren't people who struggle, but who are relatively comfortable. We work in a pleasant environment with great people, and, and um we're fortunate enough to you know um uh, sometimes travel to nice places and be with with uh, intelligent, great people. Um yeah, I don't I don't think we work in the most stressful industry on the planet. There are other places that are way more stressful. I know what I found in life anyway is most of the stress. Doesn't come through a work environment. It comes through maybe um, issues with relationships or family. I found those things are much more stressful than anything to do with work. Yeah. Uh, and um, you know, I genuinely feel for people who are stressed as a result of those things. But the general COVID thing, um, you know, it's affected everybody. We're all fed up. We all want to get out. We all want to go go to the park and see it. I see my mom for over a year. I want to go and see her. Um, but I don't get down about it. You know, as soon as I can, I'll change the situation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you've just you've just touched on something there that I think is really important, which is uh, relationships and family life, all of that kind of stuff uh, and how that's actually a bigger cause of stress in most people than uh, work.
1: Um, I'd say say the only time in my life that I've ever really felt depressed was when uh, my marriage broke up and uh, my kids didn't talk to me for a while. And I found that I probably had my uh, Megan moment, you know, where every you know, <laughs> human being has had the Megan moment where, you know, you, you think, oh, do I really want to be alive in this situation? Um, and um, I felt pretty fed up for quite a while uh, to the point, I'm not embarrassed about it now, but I was embarrassed about it at the time. I wouldn't have told anybody at the time um, that I sought some professional help for it. And I didn't, I don't think I need a lot of help, but I, but this person actually, shocked me into doing something very different that old adage about you know doing the same thing and expecting a different result i was kept, i was i was kind of in this cycle of doing the same thing and getting the same result and and being fed up about it and um she um she busted me out of that cycle and the problem got fixed really quickly and, and i learned from that that uh if ever i am uh feeling down fed up whatever um You've got to bust out of it. You've got to you've got to change the situation, and everybody can do that. I say everybody. Most people, I think, are capable of doing that, even if it's only, you know, changing your behaviour for a short period of time and taking a risk with your behaviour.
0: Is there anything that came out of those um, sort of that relationship with the the person you've just mentioned that shocked you out of it? Is there any particular moments you can remember that were shocking? Any phrases or, or moments that just made you go, "Wow, hang on a minute."
1: Um, yeah, there was there was a specific thing when I'm, which I'm not going to talk about in detail, but um, yeah, it was a it was a challenge about my own behaviour and what I was doing and the, the impact that I was having on on other people, and um, the, f- the fact it was having a ne- negative impact for me as well. Um, but I wasn't really brave enough to let it go, and uh, she sort of shot me out of it, um, took a risk, and it worked. And um, ever since then, I've probably taken more risks with with situations like that to make sure that I don't feel stressed to make sure I don't feel down
0: can you give me an example um perhaps not about the specific thing you're talking about but a later example where you've taken a risk and gone actually I'm thinking back to that moment and this is the right thing to do because I've got to change it
1: oh um I, the, the simplest one I can tell you is uh, all of us sometimes struggle to sleep, and you you have um, you know it's usually a, a work thing or a financial thing that that keeps me awake at night. Um, what I've learned to do over the years is not lay in bed thinking about it, but I get up and do something about it. Just change, you've got to just change the situation.
0: Here's a uh, thing for you, Brendan. Since three o'clock this morning, I've been half awake, half asleep doing this podcast with you you really? (laughs) Yes, I have. and My alarm went off at half past five and I was like, oh God, I'm glad that night's over.
1: (laughs) Well, sometimes I I joke about it with a couple of people that I work with. um, Most of my stress is horizontal. It's when I'm I'm laid down in the middle of the night, I can occasionally be stressed. But when I'm vertical, when I'm up and walking around and doing something about it, I'm I'm not stressed. It disappears. So I think it's just about taking action for me. And we're all different, so it'll be different for, for the people. But for me, I can get rid of my stress by, by doing something about it.
0: Um, is rather that...
1: other than cogitating about it and laying in bed, you know, mm. in a sweaty heat, thinking, oh, my God, I can't sleep. It's a terrible thing.
0: Is there a, an element of distraction in that? And the reason I ask about distraction is because that's one of the tools I use. If I If I find that I'm ruminating or I'm getting overly uh, stressed about something because I have a tendency to um, to over worry which I imagine comes with the territory of being a mum because I don't think it used to happen and since having three kids I now over worry about everything and I find that I'm an action person but sometimes here's the thing that's stressing me therefore I'm gonna do this to change it and sometimes I'm too early and I make the problem bigger. Whereas other times I have to just go, here's the problem. Here's what's worrying me. I'm going to go over here and deal with something completely different. And that tends to bring everything down.
1: Uh, It's possible. But if you're just distracting yourself from the problem, you're not solving the problem. Um, And so I'm I'm certain I sometimes do things to distract myself. But then, you know, that niggle is still on your shoulder, isn't it? The black devil's still on your shoulder. You've got to go back and deal with it sometime. uh, The distraction technique is only temporary
0: do you ever have the problem whereby it's actually not a problem it's an anxiety or a worry and the objective thing is not is not necessary like just drop it it's over do you ever have that and if you do how do you deal with it because i would like to learn that tool That's
1: a really short answer. i don't think i have have that i don't think i experienced it
0: oh lucky you because it's not fun
1: <laughs> i think also you know you you you, you develop uh, your mindset as you go through life you know, you, you just said that you didn't used to be a worrier, but now you worry a little more. Now you're a mom. And and then as your kids grow and get older and, you know, you find that they've got quite uh, quite robust, then you w- maybe worry a little less. You might worry about the one that struggles more than the other two or whatever, you know. So, um, And, and I'm, I'm at a stage in life where I don't really have that much to worry about. I really don't. I mean, my business is in good shape. My kids are in great shape. I'm in a fantastic relationship. And um, I'm a bit fed up about lockdown. You know, I mean, it's not not the worst thing in the world, is it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love that.
1: Be grateful for what you've got, not striving for something else all the time.
0: That is so critical, I think, to this um, sort of assumed victimization that we were talking about earlier. Look at what's in front of you. And be grateful for that rather than spending your life in the what you don't have or she's got or he's got or why don't I do this. And I think part of that is to do with this sort of massive boom. I don't know if I'm going to get trolled for this, but the massive boom of things like, um, I don't know, changing how you look and not just growing old gracefully. And, you know, all of that kind of stuff is because people are looking at other people and going, well, I don't have that. So I should, you know, should should change it. I, of that kind I, do of wonder, I do wonder
1: in the last year has social media caused? Uh, I, I don't really do a lot of social media, I do a bit of LinkedIn, but other than that I don't. Um, but I think a lot of younger people um, refer to social media too much and um, there's a lot of boastfulness goes on I think in social media. Uh, there's an awful lot of kind of massive egos at play and showing off to each other. And I I don't think that's particularly helpful because people start to compare their lives against unrealistic expectations um, when we're generally, you know, we're in a first world country and generally in fairly good shape and we should be grateful more for what we've got um, Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, looking green-eyed at what other people have got.
0: How, How, through your life there must, you've, you've mentioned one particular pivotal moment, but one of the things that I think is really interesting and I'm doing a lot of this at the moment is learning about me, learning who I am, what patterns I have, what behaviors I have that I'm perhaps unaware of, thought processes and, and core beliefs. And, and I had a really interesting conversation with someone earlier this week. And what, what we were saying was, I have a core belief that if there is a problem, I must solve it. And there are other people that have a core belief, which isn't that. um, I have a problem. I I feel bad. For example, I I can't remember the exact terms and I I won't give you the full details of the conversation. But um, but the core beliefs. And have you ever come to a point where you've gone, hang on a minute. This is something I've been doing for ages and I hadn't realized um, why or who or what. Just learning about you.
1: I might be a bit thick to think too much about about myself like that. I mean I th- <laughs> think my um I have I have one sort of core belief which which I think stems from um from my mother actually and that is you know to be fair to people uh, to treat everybody equally and to be fair to people is probably the thing I think most about. That doesn't mean that um uh, you know that everybody's. I'm not. I'm not a socialist. You know. I'm not a communist. We don't have to paid the same. But we can all be. We can all be appreciated for the contributions that we make, either to the work that we do or to our social lives. And then to be treated fairly for that, I think, is a is a is a key part of my beliefs. Um, but I, I don't. I don't overthink it. Um, um, I probably don't overthink very many things. That might be a problem of mine. I think
0: it's an opposite thing. It's a problem of mine that I do overthink a lot of things, <laughs> and has been said of me many, many times. What about um, you? Uh, are you competitive as a as a person? Is that part? Does that play into business, personal? Is it just not a thing for you?
1: Um, I, I think I'm competitive with competitive with myself. So um, I always want to do better than last year. I want to give the best performance I possibly can. Um, I, I don't wake up every day thinking, oh, I've got to be, you know, the, the insurance broker next door. I've got to do better than them. I've got to be bigger than them. I've got to be sharper than them. I, I don't worry about the competition. I, 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 I focus on, am I doing the best that I can do? Um, and, uh, I, uh, you know, a long time ago, uh, I heard uh, uh, an, an athlete, Chris Akebusi, who I used to really, really love when he, when he was winning. And he's a really great speaker now. But he once spoke about doing your personal best. And uh, I think it was, I think it might have been in the Olympics one time and he got a, he got a silver medal. And um, he, um, uh, it was his personal best. It was the fastest he'd ever run. The guy in front of him broke the world record and Chris um, did his personal best. And somebody said to him afterwards, "We're you not disappointed that you didn't get the gold? And he said, but did my personal best. I ran the fastest I've ever run. You can't do better than a personal best every day, and um, I've always been struck by that personal best uh, cliche. You know, if you do, if you're const- constantly striving to do your best, again, y- your competition is you, not anybody else. And um, I don't, I don't feel competitive against other people ever.
0: I think that's a really important lesson, and I think it's something that uh, younger generations need. We need to put more into them. Mm. really understanding this because like you say things like social media are um setting you up for this core belief that you're never quite good enough and your life isn't quite as good as the next door and i think that's quite a dangerous um mindset to put people in
1: yeah i think it is yeah i mean i think i think um it's different across generations and as we said earlier on people will develop um as they get as they go through life um But if you're always trying to do the best you can do, um, I don't think people would have too many problems. Um, But but trying to beat other people or be better than them or have something nicer or smarter or bigger than somebody else, I'm not really interested in that.
0: Yeah. I like that very much. I've got one last question for you, which... um which I'd be interested to to know how you feel about it and how you deal with it. Um, A lot of people listening, like I say, Coffee Calm Connection, there's a lot of business people, um, whether they own businesses, work in business, sales execs, whatever it might be. And we all have to make difficult decisions, whether that is making people redundant or, or firing people or... You know the difficult conversations we have to pull someone and say that was just not okay do you have any advice around how to deal with that what lessons have you learned through through these processes because you must have had to do it many many times
1: yeah uh well i think the, the first lesson is um i don't have a hang up about doing it because i'm doing it for the benefit of the majority of people in the business sometimes mm-hmm. you've got to take action and, it's, and it benefits the majority um uh, and my only advice for doing it is be transparent direct and quick uh, for everybody's sake not least of which you are but for the people who are on the wrong end of getting the news uh, they deserve to get it quickly uh, directly um they they deserve not have to guess what the message is but it comes to them really clearly um and i found that when it's done like that it's a lot less painful um but I, 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 I wouldn't hesitate to make those decisions. Um, I have five people when when they either haven't performed or where their behaviour hasn't been um, right for this business. And yes, I've not so much in this business, but in the past uh, made redundancies, but it was always on the basis that it was right for the majority of people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, it's, it's never pleasant, but it needs to be done and it needs to be done with some care when you do it
0: i think you've just used the word transparent there and i think one of my core beliefs is transparency and communication um if 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 there's something if ugly let's talk about it let's let's not beat around the bush and ignore let's just go right this is causing me a problem it must be causing you a problem let's have a conversation which is quite a direct approach and a lot of people aren't that way so from you know from my experience and and um the the businesses that I've run the personal relationships I've got albeit never anywhere near like two and a half thousand people (laughs) try like five Um, but still sometimes I worry a little bit how my direct approach affects people because I've lost a lot of friends and relationships because of the directness when I haven't, you know, I've tried to be open and transparent, but other people have not received it well. And I spent a long time really worrying about this until I had a bit of a, a learning lesson about two years ago where I kind of realized, you know what, I've done my best. The rest is on you. If you are a victim or you want to blame someone or you've got anger issues that you want, fine. But that's on you. I'll do me and we'll go our separate ways. And that was a hard lesson for me to learn.
1: I don't think directness needs to be um, rude or clumsy. Um, um, I think it can be, uh, it, it means it's not fluffy and people can get the message very clearly. I mean, one of, one of the things that, um, you know, when we, when we set our business up five years ago, um, people in here know, know me quite well. They know I'm, I'm very anti Churchillian vision and mission statements that are all, you know, 25 points behind the reception desk as you go through the business. I hate all that. Usually, number three is integrity. And I also, <laughs> if, if you have to tell people the fact of integrity, you got the wrong people. <laughs> and we decided as a, as a group to focus our culture on, on a single word, which is collaboration. And so we encourage collaboration with a lot of the things that we do you know, policies, practices, incentives, and why you're all around collaboration. And we, we reward uh, and recognize collaboration every day. And um, if we've got people that aren't collaborators, I mean, collaborators in a, in a in a positive sense, collaboration is for the benefit of our clients and, and ourselves, then they're not welcome here. And, and sometimes you have to tell people that, that and, but it's really clear, you know, you're not collaborating, you're not welcome here. That's it's simple. But it's easy to understand. Yeah. Um, and I also believe in, in having really clear messages that, that can't be misinterpreted. And all too often in, in kind of large corporates, we, we end up using many, many words when two or three would suffice. And the intention and the messages aren't, aren't that clear. So sometimes I believe the fewer words you use, the clearer you can be in your, in your, in your comms.
0: I think that's really sound advice and um, and really helpful for helpful for a lot of people listening but also reaffirms my lessons that I've learned in terms of you are clear and you do it with open transparency and kindness
1: hmm.
0: the other person's reaction is not on me I've done my best and yeah. that for me uh, was a was a real opener to dropping a load of that anxiety and uh, I think you've corroborated that as well so thank you ever so much I have really appreciated your time this morning
1: I mean, I've enjoyed it
0: Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Your reviews, shares, and followership is incredibly valuable to us. If you'd like to know more about our work through Coffee, Calm and Connection and how we can support you, please email us at hello at coffee calmconnection.org or follow us on social media. Thank you.